Hello, and welcome to episode two of uh, Kieran Doesn't Know What He's Talking About, because I don't know what I'm talking about, especially now, because at this point I was kind of terrible at the first time. I did a full recording, it was 45 minutes, and it was terrible. So I'm going to try this again. It's November 1st. Uh, I didn't say the date last time, but I guess I'll say the date this time, because it's fun. It's right after Halloween. Halloween happened. I didn't do anything really exciting. I got into costume. It was fun. I was a cool ghost. It looked kind of stupid, but I enjoyed it. And that's what's important. Uh, so we now have Otto von Bismarck, which was going to be the topic for today's discussion. I don't know how many off weird tangents I'll go on about Otto von Bismarck, because this is a lot more organized than my usual ones, because I have a lot more specific things I got to touch on. Because Otto von Bismarck had a lot long life where he did a lot of stuff. So he's really interesting. Um, I'm actually going to start with two quotes said by Otto von Bismarck. They're not his most important quotes or his most famous quotes, but they're two interesting quotes. Uh, Otto von Bismarck was a diplomat in Prussia, which was like almost Germany, but not really, uh, during the 19th century or so. Also, we're actually, because Frankenstein was last time, that was early 18, 19th century, so we're going to go middle 19th century this time. I'm probably not going to keep that theme. But I can pretend that I know what I'm doing. Uh, so he was a diplomat in Prussia and later the German Empire. He was actually the one to basically create the German Empire out of basically nothing. It was a bunch of uni uni not unified states. He's trying to unify them right now. It was a bunch of non-unified states that were a bunch of tiny things. I'll discuss the map a little bit later. So we're going to start with our first quote from him being in 1878, saying, Europe today is a powder keg. And the leaders are like men smoking in an arsenal. A single spark will set off an explosion that will consume us all. I cannot tell you when this explosion will occur, but I can tell you where. Some damned foolish thing in the Balkans will set it off. And then, almost 20 years later, in 1897, Your Majesty, he was speaking to Kaiser Wilhelm II, who was the king or Kaiser in, of the German Empire, who had dismissed him, or dismissed Bismarck, because he just didn't think he was necessary, even though Bismarck was brilliant. Uh, Your Majesty, so long as you have this present officer corps, you can do as you please. But when this is no longer the case, it will be very different for you. The crash will come 20 years after my departure, if things go on like this. Otto von Bismarck died in July of, 19, of 1898, and in November of 1918, the prince who spoke to Otto von Bismarck, Kaiser Wilhelm, or technically the king, I don't know why I say prince there, the Kaiser Wilhelm II, who spoke to Otto von Bismarck, will abdicate the throne, having lost the backing of his army in the disaster that was the First World War. Um, which means Bismarck's prediction was off by only four months. He had predicted where the First World War would start and when it would end. His ending prediction was off by four months. So this was the level of intelligence that this man had when it came to diplomacy. Uh, but we're going to start, before all this diplomacy stuff, in his younger days, as Otto Edward Leopold. Before he was Otto von Bismarck. Or, uh, he had a bunch of titles. There was First von, von Bismarck, which meant Prince. Graf von Bismarck. Uh, sure. Sorry. I'm going to repeat that because he actually did a slightly different title. It was Graf von Bismarck Schoenhausen. Because his father was Ferdinand von Bismarck Schoenhausen. But he was only called Bismarck most of the time. And that Graf meant count. And then Erzog 
von Lauenberg, uh, which is Duke. And I don't want, I don't know what Lauenberg means, so I'm going to find out. Uh, nope, there, Lauenberg. Lauenberg, yeah, Lauenberg, Germany. It's Launenberg. It's a town in Germany. So I'm going to assume that he became the Duke of a town in Germany. Because reasons. Um, we don't actually know much about his teenage and younger years, only his parents, which were Ferdinand von Bismarck-Schaffhausen, like I said. That was his father. And then Wilhelmine Menken, his mother. I'm going to take a guess, take a gander, and say that I'm probably pronouncing all of these German names wrong. Assume I am. If I am right, great. If I'm wrong, like I suspect I am, uh, don't judge me too harshly, I guess. Um, it's actually really interesting, this idea of not being able to tell the younger years of a lot of these famous people. Like, there are some people who you can tell pretty pretty easily, especially in the modern day. In the modern day-ish, you can generally just figure out, which there's a paper trail or an electronics trail, figuring out his younger years or their younger years, whoever was famous that you're searching. Uh, but then there's this in-between period in history where we basically don't know anything about their younger years until they're famous because they don't have anything about them. There's no record of them until they're famous. And then there's even farther before that where you do have records of their childhood because generally there are legends of them as children. So they become basically myths. Um, Trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Probably um, starts with a G. Uh... I'm going to use a Civ 6 leaders because uh, it's Civilization 6. I'll mention it and I'll discuss it in a moment. Let me find the thing. Alexandra, yeah, I don't care. Where is he? Chandragupta. Chandragupta is fascinating. He has an onion hat. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh was this really famous guy in like Sumeria, which was this ancient, ancient country. Um, and he was basically, he became. Basically, like, he's known for these level of myths where he was a god king, basically, and he was trying to find a way to cheat death for a while and eventually not. But the, yeah, so the interesting thing is you find out about their younger years and stuff like that because their entire life is a myth, and it's been figured out. Um, Civ 6, I guess I'm going to talk about Civ 6 now. It's a video game that's called, its full name is Sid Meier's Civilization 6. Civil, Sid Meier's Civilization is this series of games that are basically strategy games where you create a civilization and go from like the Stone Age or the Ancient Era all the way to the modern and future times. Um, and you're trying to beat all the other countries to be the best. You can either win like space victories by going to space, uh, science victories by going to space, culture victories by being better culture, like spreading like tourism basically. Um, religious wins if everyone get follow or like a majority follows your religion, which is I think it's like seventy five percent of cities have to follow your religion. Domination, which means you kill every other country, like you take over all the cities, and then diplomacy victory, I believe is the last one. Which in the earlier games was basically there's this world like United UN later game that you can actually vote for world leader. Um, and if you get enough people to vote you as world leader, you just win the game. Um, and then in Civ 6, you get diplomacy points for doing things. And if you get enough diplomacy points, you win a victory. Uh, some diplomacy points can be won by helping others in crisis, or you can have states like there's uh, city states, which are like small cities that don't actually do all that much. 
but they are important for diplomacy and sometimes give you and give you bonuses as well if you have enough diplomats in there. Uh, anyway, back to Otto von Bismarck. As a young child, he was like a six foot tall, dashing blonde hair, tussled mane. He was an absolute playboy. Um, and then as an old man, he's got like this walrus mustache. He's gray hair. He's kind of large. He's on the larger side rather than his tall, like skinny self as a younger man. Uh, so interesting change for when he got older. He was didn't match. Didn't change his mind. But well, it did change his mind actually. As a young man, he was known as Wild Man Bismarck. But I'll get into that later. So at the age of seventeen, our Otto something Leopold, Otto Edward Leopold, goes to college. Uh, didn't try that hard. Dropped, uh, like, stopped going to classes almost immediately. Uh, so super responsible. Um, he was fast talking, a uh, good speaker, and generally quick to a duel as well. Though he got into more than one duel per month at his first university, with twenty six duels total. Wounded only once, though. Uh, so good for him. And till the end of his days, he swore that the only reason he got wounded in that fight was because of his opponent's rapier broke. Um, during college, like I said, he was basically a playboy, and he ended up racking a mountain of debts. Uh, he ended up moving to law school in Berlin to escape the consequences of him being just a playboy, so, you know, his debt and everything else. He never once went to classes in law school, uh, but when graduation came around, he hired a tutor who was basically just a crammer to shove all the information in his head and somehow managed to pass the exam and became a practitioner of law. Uh, throughout his college and law school life, he read a ton of books. He just read voraciously. Anything from history, geography, philosophy to economics, he would devour it. The only thing he didn't really read was the modern philosophy uh, that the German nobles were paying attention to at the time, or the Prussian Saxon nobility, I guess. Um, he was a lot more of the older people. Anyway, he tried to get himself hired as a diplomat after finishing his law school, uh, but the foreign minister at the time didn't really think much of Prussian nobility. Uh, they, he didn't think they made very good diplomats, and he mainly hired from outside of Prussia, so Bismarck was given a post in a town called Aachen, uh, told to figure out how to better integrate it into Prussia. Uh, he didn't really think, he didn't really care about this thing. I guess I probably should explain the map style of Aachen and Prussia. So Aachen is this town in western, it's like before France, but after like, you know, the Austrian Empire and stuff. Actually, I'm just going to pull up the map so I can quickly describe it. It'd be easy if you guys Google it, but I'm just going to describe it myself because I'm guessing you guys don't want to have to Google a thing for a podcast. So Europe at the time was a lot more like either you're a massive country or it's tiny, tiny states. And so there's the Austrian Empire, which is also called the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Uh, that was beside uh, half of Prussia, and then also beside a lot of Russia. Um, Russia was massive at the time, had a little bit less territory in places like Asia, but had all of Finland under their control and most of Poland. Um, whereas Germany, or Prussia at the time, it was, there was the German states which were like a bunch of tiny, tiny states that didn't really, they weren't that important. Um, and Prussia was split into two. It had the big spot in the east, which uh, held like Berlin and all that. And then there was the west, which was a smaller area that's like right beside France. And that's where Aachen was. And there's this split in the middle where there's different countries. Basically, there's a country split between two different countries. Where a country is splitting two different, one country into two. It's still one country, 
and this diplomat, Bismarck, was sent to Aachen to better integrate this half of it into main Prussia, so that it's all one thing. He didn't really care for this. It was like, eh, he was more interested in the English, because Aachen was the home of, like, it was basically a tourist spot for the English, like, gentry, which is, like, I did a little bit of, I did a research on this the first around time around I did this uh, podcast. And the gentry is like, there's the aristocrats and nobility. They're also, gentry is also aristocrats, but they're below the, um, they're below the proper nobility. So they're like a almost nobility little bit. Um, he didn't really, like, he was really interested in the English and very specifically, the English gentry's daughters, which not the best choice, but you know, whatever. He ended up getting booted out of the station because he spent a little bit too long on a river trip with one of these daughters and overstayed his welcome by about three months. Uh, so didn't really get out over that Playboy days for a while then. Uh, it took some significant family influence to sweep this one under the rug, and he ended up being involuntarily volunteered for the army to escape those consequences. Uh, his mother died before he even finished his mandatory one year of service, and she was actually the manager of the property of the Bismarck family, which means Bismarck had to take over because his father was never really good for economics or business. He never had an end for it. So uh, as the as his army shenaniganery came to an end, he read anything he could find on agriculture and economics and anything like he even signed up for a so soil like chemistry course in a nearby university basically anything he could do that would help manage a like a farm like estate he was reading uh and he eventually got back finished his one year of service went back to his estate and he was so good at his job because of all that reading that the as the agricultural market of just europe in general especially around his property started to collapse his property's like value kept increasing, uh, which was unheard of. Um, and he became actually known as the wild man Bismarck in his hometown slash estate area because he was fond of just doing insane things. So, for example, he would you know let someone know that he entered his house by firing a pistol into their entryway roof, or he would release foxes into a person's dressing room or drawing room. Sorry. Uh, he did apparently, though, treat his workers very well, even uh, or much better than he treated their drawing rooms and front entryways, at least. He did eventually marry, wild man Bismarck, marrying a someone you would think wholly unsuited him, a quiet, devout woman who was completely uninterested in politics. Uh, Bismarck adopted her religion, Pietism, which is like a Lutheranism style, which is like a portion of Protestantism. I can speak, apparently, uh, that was really focused on, like, individual piety and trying, like, trying really hard for the Christian life. Um, when her father, the father of the one he wanted to marry, didn't really believe he properly adopted her religion, uh, he sent her, Bismarck sent him a letter and was like, hey, no, I joined, I'm super sincere, sent him a letter on basically his path to finding God, finding faith, anyway. When the father still was a bit on the on the fence about it, he tore all the way across Pomerania in the middle of winter to go convince him in person. Now, Pomerania is this little section of, like, region between... It's, like, part of Germany and part of Poland, now modern Poland. That's beside the Baltic Sea. 
Um, and it's freezing cold because it's northern Poland and Germany. And it's beside the Baltic Sea, which is also freezing cold. So in the middle of winter, he went across all of it to go talk to this one guy and convince him that he's religious. Uh, so what a Bismarckian thing to do, because he's a legend. Um, eventually, though, in 1847, before Bismarck properly got married, he was still, you know, courting this devout, pious woman, but wasn't they weren't married yet. Uh, the king called for a partner, King Philip, or King Frederick Philip. Um, Bismarck didn't really want to go. He had his wedding coming up, and, his, and he was also a staunch conservative who believed strongly in monarchy. He didn't think that the anything good would come of the parliament because the parliament, he basically knew already, the parliament was going to be pushing, the summoned parliament was going to be pushing for an elected parliament, which would, by its very nature, take power away from the king, which he didn't like because he'd much rather keep the monarchy as strong as possible. He ended up going, though, because he got a letter from an acquaintance who had gotten sick and he really needed to stay in the good graces of said acquaintance, or he wanted to anyway. And this acquaintance asked him to go be go as in his place as the representative of the Prussian Saxon nobility. Now, this makes zero sense, and it's hilarious, because Bismarck technically wasn't a member of the Prussian Saxon nobility, which meant that, like, Bismarck just shouldn't be able to represent this group of people because he's not part of this group of people. Um, and they have absolutely other people who totally could have done it, but nope, he was asked by him to do it himself. Uh, he didn't end up being very popular at the parliament because he was, like I said, against the idea of creating an elected parliament. He wanted the monarchy to stay the same. He gave speeches about keeping things, and this is when he started to transition over to the Bismarck the diplomat rather than Wildman Bismarck. Uh, later that same year, though, the king ended up abolishing the parliament because the parliament was just kind of a mess and wasn't really doing what the king needed it to do. Like, he needed a successful thing for a train or whatever, I don't know. Train railroad fund grant something or other that the parliament wasn't agreeing to. And the king was like, okay, fuck it, go home, we're done, I'll just do it myself. Uh, so Bismarck was like, sounds good, went home and got married, because he finally got around to it. Uh, in 1848, right after Bismarck's honeymoon, where they explored Europe, Paris fell. Uh, so the French Revolution occurred, and they fell down, like, fell apart. Um, this tech, uh, Technically, this isn't the French Revolution, because the French Revolution happened first. Then Napoleon showed up. He invaded most of Europe. Then he got his ass slapped later. And then now we're on Napoleon III is currently ruled, or is about, is going to rule France in a little bit, but not yet. So we're in this in-between phase where Napoleon's gone. Prussia exists. All that stuff has happened. The war has already happened, but it's completely finished. But it's still in the minds of all the diplomats of the Napoleon War. But the Paris just fell. So the monarchy was completely demolished, and in its place was a republic was reinstated. Um, later on, a monarch is back, but like... Uh, slightly less powerful, but still just monarch is back later. But for now, Paris just fell. And as Paris, is, Paris falls, the, the revolutions against the monarchies were spreading across Europe. And they even made their way to Berlin, where King the king of uh, Prussia started promising his people a constitutional government. And, you know, more and more secessions as time went on. As celebrations were happening in Berlin for the constitutional government being successful, or at least promises for it, Mistakes were made, and the army actually ended up killing some of these revolutionaries. Uh, the nobility, including uh, Otto von Bismarck, 
said they need to stamp on the revolution now, because at this point it's gone too far, they need to deal with it. Uh, the king instead was like, no, 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 this is, I like this. Sent them all away, and basically made himself hostage in his own city that he rules to some revolutionaries that he didn't want to deal with. Uh, so big brain moves. Bismarck also did the big brain moves. He did slightly less big brain, but basically he attempted to raise a peasant levy. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically he pretended to be, imagine like feudal lords in like the Middle Ages when they're trying to go to war and they currently don't have like a proper army. They use their right as a feudal lord to make an army of peasants to go fight for him. And this is basically what Bismarck did, with himself acting as the feudal lord and all his like people who were working under him, the working class, as the peasants. And he was trying to do this to go put down a revolution that stated goals were to help enfranchise and just generally aid these same peasants that he's trying to get them to put down a revolution of. And Somehow he did convince the peasants to do this, because words, again, Bismarck's great at that. But unfortunately, he did he got turned around before he really got going, because the people there were like, no, no, we got this, we're all a bit disappointed, but just go home. It's not useful to go with your peasant levy. So instead, plan B, or plan C, or whatever plan is on now. Uh, Bismarck decided to try and replace King Frederick Wilhelm. First, with someone also named Wilhelm, it's Prince Wilhelm, who had actually liked it to England and just kind of refused. He was like, no, I'm good, I'm done. Uh, and then, even more confusedly named, Frederick Wilhelm. So he's trying to replace King Frederick Wilhelm with Prince Frederick Wilhelm, who at the time was six years old. Um, the only problem with this, other than it being a great idea to get a six-year-old on the throne, genius big brain plays during, a, during an almost civil war, um... They didn't ask Frederick Wilhelm's mom, and she was apparently for the liberals, which were against the monarchy, so that didn't work. She put the kibosh on the whole thing and was like, nah. Uh, so instead, that just kind of didn't work, and eventually a parliament was created. Uh, and well, it eventually, like, even though the parliament was created, it was already created, sorry, uh, but it was eventually just kind of slowly fell apart. It still existed, but really wasn't putting any pressure on the king. And throughout this, like, period of where it's slowly weakening, uh, Otto von Bismarck had joined a group of nobles and courtiers close to the king who were basically advisors. Um, and even though he was part of the group, he was passed up, passed on for a, a cabinet position in the, like just a cabinet position, because uh, he was very useful as a radical revolutionary, or not really a revolutionary, because he's not doing any revolutions, but he's very useful as a radical, but not useful as much as, or in the, at least in the minds of Frederick Wilhelm and the other nobles. Uh, so he was like, okay. So he went back to his estate, had his first child, and got himself elected to parliament. Because uh, what happened was there was still a parliament. It wasn't as good as what they, the uh, revolutionaries wanted. They wanted a full constitution and a full parliament and whatever else. Uh, that didn't happen, but there was still an elected parliament that existed. So Bismarck was like, let's get myself elected. So he did a bunch of stuff, got himself elected successfully. No cheating, but he was elected uh, at a different place than where he was from. He went to Brandenburg, I believe, or somewhere. It started with a B. I don't remember which, though. And he got himself voted onto this parliament, and this this parliament was trying to vote on German unification because remember I said there was like tons of tiny states in Europe at this time? 
These most of these tiny states were part of the Holy Roman Empire that split a bunch and then was now trying to become and they're all like nationally German states. I'm doing massive air quotes there, but nationally German, nationally German states. And so Germany at the time was trying to reunify under one big German empire. And it had to reunify under something. And they were trying to do it under the there there were two options really. Either they unify under the the Austrian Empire, or they unify under the Prussian Empire. Um, the Austrian Empire said no, basically. The main problem with for doing it under the Austrian Empire was that Austria at the time had other holdings that weren't part of this German Empire, German Confederation. They had a piece that was, they had a massive piece of their country that just wasn't part of that. It was part of like hung, hung, Hungary? Hungary? Hungary sounds wrong. That sounds like Gary. I'm assuming it's not Hungary. I think it's not Hungary either. Though. I think it's Hungary instead of Hungary or Hungary. I think it's Hungary. I'm going to go with Hungary. And if it's wrong, uh, that's unfortunate, I guess. Sorry, anyone. Sorry, any Hungarians. It's, oh, maybe it is Hungarian because it's a Hungarian. Honestly, who knows? And it doesn't really matter for the story. Um, anyway, the, Basically, there's this all of Hungary, and then there's like the little bit that's German. So if they wanted to take over the German Empire, they the Germans wouldn't under like wouldn't allow rule from a foreign leader who's also ruling other state like states or countries, uh, which meant that Austria the Austrian Empire would have to split their empire into two and then give one of them to a different line of the family, which. Austria-Hungary was just like, no, 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 that's not happening. So instead, they just kind of said no to this whole unification stuff. So instead, the Germans, in massive air quotations, tried to give the crown to King Frederick Wilhelm, no relation to toddler Frederick Wilhelm. Uh, he ended up refusing. Uh, but anyway, as this was happening, Bismarck uh, said one of the famous speeches, well, a very famous speech, because this man was almost always will be remembered for his brilliant diplomacy at, when it comes to war. But he was also a man who would absolutely take a peace offering when many others would push to continue war or go to war. Um, and he actually said a speech, which I want to say in its entirety, even though it's relatively long, because it's a really good speech. So, <clears throat> it is unworthy of a great state to fight for something which does not concern its own interest. Gentlemen, show me an objective worthy of war, and I will go along with you. It is easy enough for a statesman to ride the popular wave from the comfort of his own fireside, making thunderous speeches from the rostrum, letting the public sound the trumpets of war, and leaving it to the musketeer, bleeding out his life's blood in the snowy wastes, to settle whether policies end in glory or in failure. Nothing is simpler. But woe to any statesman who in such a time fails to find a cause of war which will stand up to scrutiny once the fighting is over. Uh, and this is really interesting for how his, basically his political views were. Other than his being like a staunch conservative and monarchist, he was, he was actually, I believe his, technically his, uh, like his political view was revolutionary conservative or revolutionary monarchist, uh, which fair enough, I guess. Um, but it's really interesting that he would, he was one of the few diplomats who would stop himself from going to war. And he would, he had to, multiple times, he had to stop people from going to war too far. 
and instead just take the stuff that wouldn't cause international rebuke. Finally, he was given a position that he would shine, the Prussian diplomat, discussing the formation of a German empire. Uh, he actually said my favorite historical quote of all time. Uh, he wrote it in a letter to his wife that said, I am making rapid progress in the art of using many words to say nothing at all. Uh, so this Madla was basically trying to make Prussia equal to the, at the time, great empire that was Austria. One of the big things that he did, which is doesn't seem like much, but it was massive at the time, became famous all over the news for doing this. So in the assembly for this German confederation, only Austrians could smoke. Uh, that was just kind of a rule that everyone followed. And so during the assembly, when uh, the Austrian diplomat beside him, the Austrian representative next to him, pulled out a cigar and started to smoke, Bismarck, saying nothing, pulled out one of his own and lit up. And the press loved it. And, but so did actually his enemies loved it because uh, one specifically claimed that the the only thing that Bismarck did at this confederation was light a cigar. Um, and this actually ended up in a duel of honor, which is old habits die hard, I guess, but funny enough. Um, not too long after all this was happening, Bismarck decided to start getting the French and the Russians on their side in preparation for the war on Austria. Uh, King Frederick Wilhelm, again, no relation to toddler Frederick Wilhelm, uh, he actually ended up suffering a stroke, which transferred the kingship to King Wilhelm, that guy who booked it to England during the riots and whatnot. Uh, King Wilhelm didn't really like Bismarck all that much, and as a real quote said, referred to him as a petulant schoolboy. Uh, and this is when Bismarck had his walrus mustache, so that's an insult and a half right there. And basically sent him to exile when it comes to dipl diplomacy by sending him as a representative to Russia. Uh, he spent a few, Bismarck spent a few years there, and that was, those were apparently his wor the worst years of his life. Until eventually, years later, he was summoned back to Berlin at haste, and he was given the role of the head of government. And I'm sure some of, any of you who have been still paying attention are probably thinking, what the fuck? Why, what? Why? Because how did Bismarck, this, like, exiled guy who's at like basically a foreign posting which was basically exile and death to diplomacy and how does he go from basically the lowest rung of the ladder all the way to the very top head of foreign affairs domestic affairs domestic and foreign affairs i don't know mostly foreign affairs uh how did he get it and the reason for it was basically that no one else wanted the job who king wilhelm didn't think would screw it up wouldn't screw it up because he basically thought uh, King Wilhelm was like, anyone who would do a good job at the job didn't want it because no one believed he, you know, anyone could do what they were trying to do because currently diplomacy was a mess, uh, which I'll explain in a moment. And anyone who did want the job other than Bismarck would be terrible at it and would probably plunge, plunge the world into civil war. Um, and what happened was basically during the time where Wilhelm wasn't part of really into the state affairs because he was sent off, the uh, parliament had stopped paying the army. And that's, first of all, that's just never a good idea. Uh, rules for rulers. Don't stop paying your army. That's just a terrible idea. And so once, he, once Bismarck was back, he had to spend like two weeks scrambling to create a government to deal with all the problems that came with not funding an army and ended up causing the civil war. Uh, that uh, It didn't cause the civil war, but it was basically on the precipice of causing the civil war. No one believed he could do it, but he ended up doing it, and during this time, 
he, st he st said the words that would define the age and also himself, which is why he is, uh, I'll explain what he called, what he was called at the time, after the quote. So the quote is, the great questions of the day will not be settled by means of, by means of speeches and majority decisions, but by iron and blood. And he ended up becoming known as the Iron Chancellor. Chancellor comes into play much, much later, like basically at the end of his life. Uh, still, that quote was about the war that was going to happen for that age. and It was a lot of fighting that happened for that age, which is why he's such a war, good war diplomat. Uh, there was this thing, uh, once he was back to being head of government, that uh, there was a rebellion that broke out in Poland against the Russians. Russia sent in the troops, and Bismarck was like, we got you, Russia, and also sent in some troops, which did cause a international incident where Europe was like, hey, 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 what's going on over here? And everyone thought that Bismarck would have to resign, basically, but King Wilhelm, who had tried so hard to basically force Will, uh, Bismarck out of office, uh, refused his letter of resignation, and eventually the ire of the world turned from uh, Prussia to Russia. God, they sound so similar. It's terrible. Uh, this moment of all of Europe going against Russia, except for Prussia, uh, reminded them of the Crimean War, which I know is a fascinating subject, but I just don't know much about it, so I can't really go in depth right now, but I'm certainly going to do it at some point. I'll probably do a, uh, I'll do an episode on it, because it's interesting. So that happened, and King Wilhelm was later invited to a conference to discuss German unification, because that's the big thing with Bismarck. If you're if you're thinking about Bismarck, it's probably going to talk about German unification and a lot of diplomacy for that German unification. King Wilhelm was invited to a conference to discuss it by Aust in Austria, and Bismarck knew this was basically a trap and convinced the king that agreeing to anything in this conference would doom Prussia. So the king ended up just not going, uh, and this meeting uh, was full of just yelling and crying and a whole lot of other stuff, and you can tell it went very good by how, at the end of it, Bismarck ripped off the door handle at the, on the way out. Uh, so, great times, but basically he just didn't end up going, so that worked out well. Now we shift our focus to a little bit more Western Europe, which, still dealing with Bismarck, but slightly differently. So there's these two territories called Schleswig and Holstein, which are Danish territories, but they're nationally German. Uh, they're just underneath Denmark, and it's where a lot of national, like, national Germans live. The Danish king had a full-on almost civil war. The Danish king had died, and then there was a scramble for the throne, because that's always what happens in these European monarchies. So there is a staunchly Danish side, like line of the family, and then there was a side that was slightly pro-German. And so what ended up happening was the Danish ended up winning out, and then they tried to take full control of Schleswig and Holstein, which actually like violated a treaty that the Prussians had had a long time ago. And uh, right, yes, Bismarck needed to invade uh, Schleswig and Holstein because that would help get like the Germans back unified. Uh, but they had done it in 1848. Bismarck wasn't in charge or anything like that, and an international incident stopped it because everyone was like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey none of that." Uh, but this time. Russia was on their side, because Russia was good friends, because of reasons. France had, like, there had been some vague promises to France to be like, hey, if you don't do anything, you might see some land. They didn't get any land, but, like, there were some vague promises. And then Austria was convinced that it was just, you know, Germans defending Germans and all that. Uh, so they actually sent some troops as well with the help of Prussia. So that was all the major European powers down, except for Britain, 
If you're wondering where Spain is in all of this, Spain was not a major European power, mostly because they had been a like basically revolution for cent for a century now, so they weren't doing much in the, on the diplomacy stage. So Britain was the only one left, and they would protest all they want. They would grumble, 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 but it would they wouldn't do anything because they couldn't actually go to war because they only had the one country. This way of invading Schleswig-Holstein was a stroke of genius from Bismarck because with Austria helping the fight, uh, it would be done faster, which meant there's less likely for international incidents to happen. Uh, and then when Bismarck asked for a bunch of territory in return, uh, Austria would have to demand some as well as to not like get left behind. So what ended up happening is Austria got Holstein and Prussia got Schleswig. I'm probably pronouncing those absolutely incorrectly. And then the other part was international rebuke would have less likely to occur because Austria was also complicit. And finally, when it comes to the German Confederation uh, of like the war, like the worry of unification, Prussians would keep the moral high ground because Austria was part of it as well. It wasn't just if it was just the Prussians and the Austrians could argue that they had invaded rather than truly unified uh, the German states. Part two of the plan after invading Schleswig and Holstein was basically Operation Austria is a Loser and we need to make fun of them. Uh, so Bismarck spent a bunch of time in, uh, making fun of the Austrians, uh, but King Wilhelm was eventually like, no, 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 stop that, because they were on the brink of war. And King Wilhelm was like, we don't want war. Stop that. Stop. No more intentionally goading. And Bismarck was like, fine. So instead he just started making more alliances in the pr preparation for this war on Austria. Uh, the main ones that he did, the main two that he did were Russia was already his friend, so that wasn't a big deal. And then Italy, which was at this point trying to be unified under the man who would end up unifying it. They would join the war against Austria as long as they got Venice, which was currently held by Austria, which Bismarck didn't really want anyway, so he didn't care. And then France wouldn't support either Austria or Prussia, so he got the one thing that would get him nothing, because it's Napoleon III, and he wasn't he wasn't nearly as good of a war leader as Napoleon the uh, legend was. Uh, during his plans for war against Austria, he actually ended up being the, Bismarck ended up being the target of an assassination attempt. He got shot five times, two from behind, and then three while, the, uh, while Bismarck was grappling this young man. And I say young man because Bismarck was 51 at the time, and he got shot five times. Every single one of them hit, but... Uh, most of them either great every single one of them either grazed him or bounced off his ribs. So what a guy! Uh, something something politics happens not all that much, and then they went to war. Finally, things ended up properly clashing, and Prussia, with, along with the northern German states and Italy, went against the southern German states and Austria. Now, Bismarck may have been a brilliant diplomat, but he was not a war general. Luckily for King Wilhelm, which is the king at the time. He had a card up his sleeve. He had the ace up his sleeve, General Moltke, who was as good of a general on the battlefield as Bismarck was in the di diplomatic field. Um, he was actually, General Moltke was actually the uncle of, of the World War I General Moltke in Germany, who completely sucked. And this General Moltke was much different from his nephew. He was a, like a genius when it comes to this. This was the same guy who said the very famous phrase that you probably hear in all these, a lot of fantasy books and, and in anything that has to do with war, plans never survive contact with the enemy. He was the first to say that. Uh, so you know he knows what he's doing. Moltke was so good 
that within weeks, the Austrian Empire had been crushed. Um, and now, now that they're winning a ton, King Wilhelm was, he wanted to continue war. And Bismarck was like, no, 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 European power is eventually going to step in. So he didn't need that. So if you remember, toddler Frederick Wilhelm, uh, the one who was the no relation to King Frederick Wilhelm, who had a stroke however long ago that was. Yeah, he's now a young man. He's a, an excellent military strategist, apparently, but he actually loved peace. So when King Wilhelm was wanting to continue war and Bismarck was like, no, 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 Bismarck sent in toddler Frederick Wilhelm, the young man now, but I'm going to keep calling him toddler because it's more fun that way, uh, to reign in the king and stop it. Uh, this toddler Frederick Wilhelm succeeded and got the king, King Wilhelm, to agree to all of Bismarck's demands for the end of the war, uh, for what Austria would agree to. Basically, Prussia got all of northern Germany to just be absorbed into Prussia, which meant that weird split in the middle no longer existed. Italy got Venice, because that's what they were promised. The German Confederation was disbanded, and uh, Austria could never again meddle in German affairs. Oh, and of course, one of the most important things, Liechtenstein became an independent country. I don't know why, and I tried Googling this last time I did this talk. I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find anything re reasonable, so who knows, honestly. I, there's a reason for it, probably, but I don't know what it is. France was now the big enemy, and uh, we're almost there. We're almost at the end where Bismarck is able to successfully... It's Bismarck's... He can see the finish line. He just needs to get all of Germany unified rather than just North Germany. So the main thing he needed was for France to attack them, so the German states would get scared from this big, scary French and join the Germans to make the true German Empire. France didn't want Prussia to get any stronger, so they needed a war as well. But neither of them could uh, wanted to attack the other, because then international would be yuki, yada, yada. Um, there was this whole thing in, like, Spanish. In, well, in Spain. Not in Spanish. It was in Spain. They were probably speaking Spanish. But it wasn't in Spanish, it was in Spain. Where, like, because of the revolutions all the time, the monarchy was sacked again. And the person they decided to become the new Spanish king was a Prussian prince, who Bismarck may have agreed to, but I don't understand why he did, because this prince didn't even have Wilhelm in the name. His name was Prince Leopold, which may have been uh, Bismarck's last name, but still, like, unbelievable. Not a Wilhelm? That's illegal. Prince Leopold showed up on time, but the there was a clerical error, so the Spanish thought that he was showing up, like, two weeks later. So eventually people noticed this Prussian prince uh, kicking around in Spain. Uh, it got there to France. France got mad. King Wilhelm said, like, King Wilhelm wasn't really into the idea of Prince Leopold taking over the Spanish throne, and so was like, no, okay, Leopold, get back here. You're not going to take over the Spanish throne. Get back. And Napoleon III, who was not the greatest of minds when it comes to diplomacy, decided to go a little bit too far. Uh, he sent an ambassador to King Wilhelm so that King Wilhelm would agree that no Hohenzollern would ever sit on the Spanish throne. Now, a Hohenzollern is what it basically that is. It's like it's a family. Imagine the Habsburgs, if you know who those are. That's like they were they were a group of. Okay, the Habsburgs were a weird family. They were a family like dynasty that one did a lot of inbreeding and second married into like every. Uh, I think I heard it best where they married into so many different royal families. They eventually started marrying each other because there was just so many into all the different families. But they were at this time they were most common in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, Austro-Hungarian Empire. But that doesn't really matter. 
anyway, Hohenzollern is that level of dynasty, but they were mostly, they ended up being mostly princes and dukes and kings and whatnot of the German area. So Prussia and German Empire and whatnot. Uh, King Wilhelm said that this demand to have no Hohenzollern ever on the throne was a bit ridiculous and couldn't really make any promises like that because, like, can't make promises and imperpetuate... Uh, I don't know the word, uh, forever. Can't make any forever promises. And basically was like, yeah, no, I've been totally reasonable. I brought back the prince. He's not going to sign the Spanish war. He's probably not going to come up. And so, like, leave it, man, okay? And informed Bismarck and so that he could tell the press. He was like, yeah, this was an incident. Here's what was said. You can tell him. And Bismarck did end up telling the press, but he omitted some words in such a way that... If a French person wrote it, read it, read it on the news or whatever, they would think that the the Prussian king insulted their ambassador. And if the Germans or the Prussians read it, they would think that the French ambassador had insulted their king. People, the people rose up, and Napoleon III, who really needed a war because he hadn't done much important stuff yet, uh, invaded, started to invade Germany or Prussia, I guess. This started the war. The German states flocked to Prussia to get all into that German Empire thing. Um, they had a big fight, and general, because of General Moltke uh, using good train schedules and changing the battle tactics, completely demolished France, including capturing their king, which is usually the thing you do when you win. But now they have to try and like make a settlement with the French, but they had the king, who was also the state, which means who are you supposed to talk to? Technically, there was like a their government that was made that was called the, the government of national defense in France. They weren't that useful, and eventually ended up having for being forced to sign an armistice because Paris was surrounded and a bunch of other stuff and being starved and whatnot. And basically, the demands from Bismarck were territories of Alsace and Lorraine, which is. If you know France, there's like this, in the northeast, there's like this pointy bit that kind of juts into almost Germany there. It's like, it's just around where Switzerland is and where Netherlands, it's in between like Switzerland and the Netherlands, and it pokes out there, and the two territories there are like Alsace and Lorraine. Uh, Germany used to own that stuff because they got it for this. 5 billion francs worth of gold, which earlier I actually calculated the value of by using like a historical currency converter, and that was $69.5 billion Canadian worth of gold, uh, which is ridiculous. And then France had to officially acknowledge Kaiser Wilhelm as the Kaiser of a German empire. Um, the German empire was then created because of the, all the German states flocking to this empire to fight the French. Um, Bismarck added this proviso to the Constitution, creating the Office of Chancellor, which is how he became the Iron Chancellor. And the Chancellor was a position, very powerful position that was only controlled by the King, or Kaiser. No other like group or any other group could affect it. And the Chancellor oversaw all the ministries, among other things, and was just generally a very powerful position. Shockingly, this Chancellor was Bismarck. Unfortunately, uh, he started to... he ended up dying... Uh, in the 19, or sorry, 1898, I don't remember what I said at the start, 1898, yes, he died, and he, his greatest fault, if there was a greatest fault for Bismarck, was that he could never picture a world, or imagine a world, without Bismarck himself, which means that the great empire he created, and all the work he put up, 
would be wasted and fall apart in the control of other leaders, leading to the disasters of World War One and Two. So yeah, that was General Bismarck, or not General Bismarck, Chancellor, the Iron Chancellor, Otto von Bismarck. He's a fascinating man and a brilliant diplomat that I really like learning about because he was really interesting. I don't honestly have a lot to say to end up with, end this, other than General Moltke was really good. Uh, understand train schedules, kids. Uh, stay in school. I know Bismarck didn't, but you should. And don't cram. That's generally a bad idea. Any other big lessons? Um, diplomacy is important, I guess. I don't know. War is cool. Don't be Napoleon the Third. Eat your vegetables. I'm just going to say sayonara then. So sayonara, have a wonderful day or evening or morning or whatever, whenever you're listening to this. And yeah, sayonara. <laughs>